0: is out of bounds this is out of bounds your go-to source for the weird wacky wild and everything in between in the sports world right here i know your news i of course am john alba now normally i'm joined by my eccentric co-host Mia O'Brien, but we got a special guest co-host today as Mia is traveling this week and his name is Mark Spillane, somebody that I know very, very well. This is the first time that Mark and I are doing something on air together in eight years. It's very, very special for both of us. Mark, why don't you tell everyone a little about yourself? Really appreciate you
1: hopping on out of bounds this week, man. I feel old you saying that eight years since we've done something. On air together, it's crazy. We were just talking about this a minute ago before we got started, that it's been 10 years since some of our best uh, memories of coverage, I guess I should mm-hmm. say, at Quinnipiac University, where we went to school together, when uh, the hockey, the men's hockey team surged to the number one team in the nation for the first time ever, 10 years ago, and uh, when the women's basketball team really burst onto the scene before their, oh, yeah. their little run of going to a few sweet 16s, that was 10 years ago, so... Feeling old. That's We're what I'll old, say about out. myself. <laughs> <laughs> but how you do, man?
0: Thanks for hopping on here. Why don't you tell everyone a little bit about what you do, where you're from, and uh yeah, give the whole little, you know, Miss USA rundown for everyone.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm from New Jersey, which means that there's not too much change replacing me uh, right. you know, in for Mia, right? Um, so we've got that going for us. Right now I live in Springfield, Missouri. I'm the sports director for a station out here, KY3, and uh we cover... Uh, everything out in southwest Missouri, but we cover the Chiefs, the Blues, the Cardinals, the Royals, all that stuff. Actually just spent five days out in Phoenix last week for Super Bowl 57 coverage. Um, and those are long, grueling days, but uh, very happy to have them because it's kind of crazy to think about it, John. That's my third Super Bowl I've covered now in the yeah, six amazing. and a half years. at Never would have thought that when, you know, first got into the TV business. Congratulations. That's
0: that's really a very special accomplishment. And uh, I'm so grateful to have you here uh, joining us on Out of Bounds this week. And one of the beauties of Out of Bounds is that we like to hear from you. You can head to KYNchat.com to get your super chat read on air. Or the beauty of it is, too, if you're watching on YouTube, you can just simply comment and leave a super chat to get your chat read on air. Like Dre Horizon, a QU alum in his own right, saying, Dre, uh, we're old now, brothers. Yes, we are, my friend. Thank you so much for that super chat. We appreciate you. Uh, man, this is this is wild, Mark. I'm, I'm really excited. And we're going to talk about Kansas City here in just a little bit on this edition of Out of Bounds. If this is your first time watching Out of Bounds, we like to take a little more fun, uh, less nuanced uh, look at the sports world, if you will. <laughs> and we enjoy having a libation and a beverage during the course of this hour-long presentation with an opening
1: toast. What you drinking today, Mark? Uh, I've got a little Walker's K whiskey. Okay. With a little ice in it.
0: I like it. I got, I just popped open this Knob Creek Smoky Maple whiskey. That sounds
1: great. Something I should try. It
0: does sound like something you should try. (laughs) So I'll give a little opening toast. Spark, like I said, this is very special uh, for me, and I, I hope that it is for you as well to get a chance to do this together. Rodeo, one more time here. Our careers have kind of gone through different parallels and uh, at times right angles, but we found ourselves <laughs> back here uh, working together once again on this edition of Out Adam and hopefully it's not the last time. So cheers to you, That's my friend. Congratulations you. on all your success, and uh, let's have some fun here today, why don't we? Cheers to you. Mm-hmm. All right. You want to talk about something that is questionably fun? Sure. That is the NBA All-Star Game. That's Jason Tatum. <laughs> Jason Tatum had himself one hell of an NBA All-Star Game. 50 points, a record first player in NBA history to record 50 points in a regular season game, an All-Star Game, and the NBA playoffs. That's great and all. Team Giannis defeated Team LeBron 184-175 to 175 in this one, Mark. The game came under a lot of criticism this year. Especially because the fantasy draft element, which was something that was introduced a few years ago, was changed to draft reserves before starters, so no one would be upset about being the last man picked. I, I mean, what, what can we can about this, man? Because this just this feels ridiculous that we're playing to sensitivity from guys that are making millions and millions and millions of dollars in a superstar-driven league. What's your takeaway
1: from that? What's the difference If you're the last guy picked overall or you're the last guy picked from the reserves, it's the same thing, right? It's because they separated the starters from the reserves. So if you're the last guy picked in the reserves, you're the last guy picked. So it's it's no different. It's the same thing. I just don't understand it. And I think you make a great point. These guys, every single one of them, as great as they are, as talented as they are, they've all had to work their butts off to get to where they are. They've all gone through something that didn't go their way. At one point or another in time, I think they could handle it if they're picked last to be in the NBA All-Star game. I think they'll be all right.
0: And and on top of that, it's like you are in the All-Star game. You have already separated yourself that you are better than just about everybody else in the league. So if you're the last pick in an All-Star game, you still inherently are a really freaking good basketball player. Correct. <laughs> like, like it, it's as simple as that. And and it's very possible, even if you're the last person picked as a reserve, you still might have at one point been a top three player in the league. Also true. <laughs> it's just, it's so bizarre to me. I mean, what do you make of the catering here? To Because I feel like a lot of fans are like, oh, NBA players are so soft. Load management. <laughs> uh, you know, they're on social media, they have burner accounts. What What do you make of all that?
1: I mean... Maybe the uh, the calling some players soft because of load management and stuff. Maybe there's some truth to that compared to years past when guys played through a lot more. But I don't think any of these guys are so mentally fragile that they needed to make this change to the draft order for the fantasy draft for the All-Star game. I feel like it's also – isn't it kind of a rite of passage too? I mean we all remember being on the playground – and you wanted to know where you were going to be picked, or maybe in gym class, right? It felt good if you weren't picked last, but if you were, you wanted to go prove that you shouldn't have been picked last. A
0: little chip on your shoulder, right? <laughs> <laughs> I don't
1: That's know. What I'm saying
0: also, man, like the laissez-faire nature of the NBA, NBA All-Star Game. As I said, the final score in this game oh. one eighty-four to one seventy-five. Fifty of those points coming from Jason Tatum. One eighty, 180, a hundred and eighty-four points scored by one team, Uh, the, the nature of the game in and of itself is not to be taken seriously at all.
1: Now, it, it does nothing for me personally, the All-Star Game, because of that fact.
0: Would you say it's the worst of the All-Star Games?
1: Well, now that they've done away with the Pro Bowl, which was a lot like the NBA All-Star Game in the sense that it, it didn't really represent the actual sport that was being played. I think it probably is compared to the other big two. I mean, the, the the major league baseball all-star game, it has always been the best one. The tradition. yeah, and The tradition is great. And it's one where the guys can play as close to full effort and all out um, as possible without really risking injury. Because pitchers that throw 95 are not going to go up there and throw 82. They're going to throw 95 because that's what they do. So I think the the baseball one's always been the best. Um, The hockey one is a little bit less physical. Of course, you're not going to have as many hits, but it's still a lot closer to what hockey looks like than 180 Mm -hmm. to 170 in the NBA. And I know there's not a lot of defense played in the regular season compared to the playoffs, but at least there is defense played in key moments, fourth quarter, things like that. This game, it's just like, just chuck it up from half court the whole time.
0: I honestly would not hate if they tweaked the All Star Game where we saw it almost become like a three on three tournament with some of the best players in the league, kind of like the Big Three, what they've got going with that mm-hmm. league. If you took three of the best All Stars versus three of the best All Stars, you form teams randomly among all the All Stars, and I mean it's an exhibition at the end of the day, right? Like have some fun with it. I'm I'm happy there's no stakes on the line personally. Mm-hmm in something like this uh, because it is
1: lollygagging at the end. It it. is. I like how the NHL split it into the divisions. And so then you get, you almost get like a semifinals finals type feel. Um, So that way it's not just one team versus another. So you get an elimination process. And in in that sense, guys still have a lot of pride. And in a lot of cases, they can actually make a little money if they win all-star events. So if they had something like that, I think you would motivate some of these players to try and win at least that first game to get to the final quote unquote. Mm -hmm. Um, But yeah, they, they, they should come up with something. Maybe, maybe they do something where you play to a certain number, you know, and then whoever gets to that number first advances to the next game. Maybe it's first to 50, first to a hundred, whatever, something like that. Uh, We know it won't take very long considering they scored 180, (laughs) (laughs)
0: Well, and on top of that, it's like, if you incorporate elements of a game that you would like to maybe test out in a regular season, eventually, like, for example, they put the Elam ending in the All-Star game. And the Elam ending is something that people have talked about wanting to potentially see in the NBA as the years go on. So utilize an exhibition like this to work out the kinks and something like that. See if you would have So, I mean, I think personally the nature of the NBA all-star game is what led to us seeing the play in tournament come about, which is what we are seeing right now in the NBA and have seen in the last couple of years mm-hmm. where teams that are in that nine, 10 seed position have a shot at making the playoffs. If you're, you know, proving that, uh, you are willing to match the moment. And I think the nature of these grandiose events like this do help give way to that. But but I also think that the NBA All-Star game is very much tied into the All-Star weekend, similarly mm-hmm. to Major League Baseball, where with Major League Baseball, you have the Home Run Derby, and this, you have the skills competition, slam dunk contest. I almost feel like that
1: has surpassed the game itself. I think so, in a lot of ways. I know for somebody who... Um, doesn't get a lot out of the all-star game like me I'll watch the dunk contest because I want to see what these guys can come up with I might watch the three-point contest to see how many shots in a row somebody can make you know especially in years when Steph is healthy I mean that's always fun to watch just to see how red-hot he can get so I I do think there is um, there's a little bit more emphasis on the game still but maybe it does maybe it shouldn't be that way maybe they should shift some emphasis towards the skills competitions The the things that make these players great.
0: Well, you were talking about the slam dunk competition, Mark Spillane, and uh, I think we can agree this was one that we'll certainly be remembering for some time.
1: (laughs) This picture is fantastic. (laughs) What are we looking at here, Mark? Mr. Mac McClung. What do you think about this picture, John?
0: I mean, I think it's outstanding. I think this is...
1: Go ahead. It's, it's, no, I'm just saying, I think this is amazing. This is a guy who's who's not even a full time NBA. But he put on a show. I love it personally. I think that uh guys like this maybe should be featured more. You and I grew up in an era of uh of and one. Remember the and one of teams? And those guys could do things that NBA players couldn't do. Now, they weren't as good as uh, basketball players, as NBA players. But I think that uh, there's, there's a way for, for some of these guys that are out there that aren't in the NBA to be featured. So what we're looking at here is a guy who got three out of his four dunks earned 50s from the judges. <laughs> He's an internet sensation. He's got everybody rethinking the dunk contest concept. So what does his performance say about how we should approach these skills competitions going forward?
0: Well, keep in mind here, Mark, this is a guy, two games of NBA experience under his belt, the Lakers and the Bulls. He signs a two-way contract, which makes him eligible to compete in something like this. And he had been showcasing himself on the internet that he wanted to compete in something like this. And is Matt McClung an all-star? Hell no, he's not. (laughs) No, Nowhere close to it. He's not even in the realm. He's a great G League player, but... He gets this opportunity on the biggest stage, and it tells me that maybe we need to specialize how we think about these all-star events more and more. I think that if we embrace the fact that an all-star doesn't have to be somebody that is super well-rounded, that they can be somebody who's really, really good at one element of the game. I think that would be a positive change for how we rethink events like this, whether it's in the NBA or in other sports. Remember Jason
1: Richardson? Of course, amazing dunker. Amazing dunker. Good basketball player, better than McClung. You know, was an actual NBA player, but was a better dunker than NBA player. And featuring that guy on a year-to-year basis was awesome. And it was really cool to see the things that he could come up with. So I would rather see guys like that that are particularly good, especially good at different skills, whether it's dunks, whether it's they have the ability to make trick shots, do crazy passes. I would love to see you guys like that be more involved rather than just running out some of the best basketball players in the world who maybe aren't as good at some of these niche things.
0: Well, and it's not even just that for me. It's I think that these niche players – should be showcased by these leagues throughout the season, aside from just all star stuff. Like, think about hypothetically speaking here. Let's take uh, back in the day, Adam Dunn, major like, <laughs> throwback name, right? Yeah. Freaking terrible hitter. Yeah. Really bad hitter. Yeah. But he could mash. And what if Major League Baseball leaned into this guy and was like, listen, if you're looking for a snag 200 hits a year, it's not going to (laughs) happen. But Adam Dunn is one of our featured showcase home run hitters year in and year out. Let's put him on all of our marketing because this guy, when you go to the ballpark, he's going to get to the plate four times, and he's probably striking out three times, but there's a good chance that one of those four times he's hitting a home run.
1: He's going to hit it to the moon.
0: We need to embrace specialization in sports. That is my whole argument here, Mark.:
1: I could get on board with that, and I think for these all-Star events, it kind of I kind of brought it up with the and one stuff. Yeah. I almost would be okay with expanding some of these events to people that aren't actually involved with the league if they're really good at these things we're talking about.: Let's put a street player against an NBA player.: Agreed. Let's Let's see what
0: happens there. Let's take a Japanese baseball
1: player and throw them in a home run derby Mm -hmm. against uh, someone from the U.S. Agreed. I think they should. And I think it's never been easier than now to find people like this with social media and the Internet. I mean, you could go on on YouTube or Instagram right now and within five seconds find some of the best dunkers in the world who don't – they are not NBA players usually, you know? They're, they're just they're just people who specialize in that. That's what they do. They get a lot of views, probably make a lot of money off of those views, and they have fun doing it. I'd love to see somebody like that compete against some of these That's, these top players. I mean,
0: geez, remember those videos you used to see on This Week in Baseball with Jenny Finch like striking out <laughs> Paul LaDuca? Like I'm about that. Let's let's do more of that stuff in sport. I just think we should celebrate these specializations in sport and not shy away from them. Agreed. Uh, the Jared Lorenzans and what they used to be able to do in the <laughs> NFL. 400-pound quarterback. Let's show it. Let's showcase these niche kickers that we find on YouTube and have them compete in 70-yard kickoffs, putting it through the uprights
1: versus NFL kickers. I would love to see the best YouTube kicker. Yeah. Can he kick as well as Justin Tucker? Sure. Let's find out. Because he right? may not
0: be a great football player, but he might be able to put the
1: ball through the uprights in a better <laughs> rate. That's true. I, I think that's actually part of why uh, they made a good move with the Pro Bowl mm-hmm. and going towards some of these weird skills competitions. I have to be honest with you. I never thought I would care, but I actually really enjoyed watching Saquon Barkley play dodgeball. And he's really good at it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, hey, uh,
0: as long as no one's pulling an Aaron Boone and tearing their ACL playing pickup. <laughs> that's that,
1: probably the risk. <laughs>
0: that is that is really all that matters. Well, here's the good news, Mark Spline. Uh Well, it's good news, bad news, I should say. The bad news is, I hate to break this to you. You're never going to play in the NBA. I think think your window has
1: closed. You don't know that.
0: (laughs) I'm just, (laughs) hypothetically speaking, taking a guess. However, should you like to dream about playing in the NBA, or if you really believe deep down that you can, good news. Adam Silver is now Steve Jobs. (laughs) And as demonstrated with Ahmad Rashad this past weekend at the NBA All-Star Festivities, you too can play in the NBA via virtual reality. This is actually insane. This is going to be part of the future NBA app. They're redeveloping it. And what you can do, I don't know if you saw the actual video of this. It's its unbelievable. Uh, it's also terrifying. But <laughs> you can... Do a full body scan like Adam Silver did. He did a, he like moved around him as if he was putting a mod Rashad in a video game. He captures his image. And then in real time, you can superimpose your image onto an NBA player of your selection and watch yourself in a game in real time. It's insane. It is not just insane. It's actually terrifying, in my opinion, that we have this technology. But is this something that you would actually use? Like, hypothetically speaking, you're watching uh, the New York Knicks and the Boston Celtics play. You're watching. You scan your body. And now Mark Spillane is Jason Tatum. (laughs) And you throw one down on Jalen Bronson. And
1: it's Mark Spillane celebrating big. I mean, is there appeal in this to you? Maybe not to me personally, but I totally get it. Because young fans are going to eat this up. Young fans are going to love this. You know, NBA fans in high school are going to be doing this with their buddies. And showing their buddies, look at me, throwing down on Jalen Brunson. Right? So, I, I totally... I totally get the idea behind it. I think it's a great job by the NBA innovating. I do think it is kind of scary, like you're saying, the way they're <laughs> able to just superimpose themselves on another person. Uh, and I think that could be really dangerous in a lot of other realms. But in this sense, it's a, it's great marketing. If they can get this thing to work fluidly, I think would be the big thing is uh, trying to make sure it works without too many bugs. I think young fans are going to mm-hmm. love this.
0: Well, and the reality of it, too, is if one league can pull it off successfully, then all the other leagues will soon follow with that concept where yes. you can be Lamar Jackson and lead whatever team Lamar Jackson is going to be playing for next year to <laughs> a Super Bowl win. You know, like that that is something. And, and I will say this, I think it it does speak positively about one element of the NBA that you kind of alluded to it very much demonstrates how on the pulse of their current fan base they are yes where they recognize that they have a younger fan base than most of the rest of the sports world they market their superstars very well and they say hey man if you want to go be Luca tonight you can go be Luca tonight
1: yeah correct I think it's great it's, it's super smart by them. And I think it really could blow up. I think a couple of years from now, th- this could be a, a very normal part of what you see on a night to night broadcast. How it's crazy. It's not long until these, uh, broadcasts will start, you know, pushing this too. Like, Hey, yeah, you want to be part of our virtual reality that we've got going on here. Make sure you log into your NBA app and and pick your game and pick your player and I just feel like
0: we have we have elevated ourselves very quickly here. Like, turn the clock back four years, and it's still taboo to even talk about betting at sporting
1: events. Now you and can't. Now watch we're
0: scanning ourselves into the games.
1: Yeah, that's true. the The sports betting thing had the way it has exploded is remarkable. You are right; it was still. You know, it was uh, – you were really only subject to Al Michaels slipping in, <laughs> you know, little, little tidbits here and there about uh, that's overwhelming when a late touchdown would be scored right. <laughs> in reference to the overhitting in a football game. Now, it, there's, a, there's a, a bug up on the top of the screen that uh, maybe yeah. has a DraftKings logo on it. Maybe it has a FanDuel logo on it. And they, they take different you know, moments throughout the game to promote that stuff in-game. They tell you, you could live bet this game right now. It's amazing how fast it's developed.
0: It really is, and uh, a league that we have actually seen embrace that already, even in just week one, Mark,
1: is the XFL. The XFL is back, John. I don't know if you uh, noticed over the weekend. Hey, look at that, the St. Louis Battlehawks. There's A.J. McCarron, who was part of leading the Battlehawks in a ridiculous comeback, 15 points in about 90 seconds over the weekend. And uh, actually, former St. Louis Ram great Ricky Prohl's son mm. was a big part of that comeback as well as he now plays for the Battlehawks. And it's um, it's a a, a big return for the Battlehawks and for the XFL in general because this wasn't the only crazy finish that we had over the weekend. What do you think about the first week of action? And do you think that the league will sustain itself this time?
0: I, you know, this was something that me and I talked a lot about last week. And I'm really curious on what your thoughts are, because my belief has been kind of from the start. There's only two paths to success for the XFL or the USFL. Number one, they have to show that they can be innovative and do things differently than the NFL. They need to embrace the criticism of the NFL and Mm -hmm. figure out ways how to improve on those criticisms. And number two, they have to eventually form some sort of partnership where there's a feeder league to the NFL, I really think that's the only way that people are ultimately going to stick around here. But week one, I think you got to say, was a resounding success. Good quality of football, not great, but good quality of football. Mm-hmm. The replay system where we saw Dean Blandino in the replay booth, like breaking down it, it, they called it transparent replay, where you're seeing why a play is called the way it is in terms of an official ruling. Resounding success, in my opinion, as a contrast to the NFL. I really like this. what did you make of it? Especially as you mentioned, St. Louis. I know that's in your uh, viewing area. What, what'd you make of that whole experience?
1: I think it was a resounding success. And I, I actually think that the previous version of the XFL would have survived if not for the pandemic. I do think there was a market for it then. The only problem th- was
0: it was bleeding money. It was bleeding it, it money. Was. That was
1: a big problem. It was. I think they would have been able to to keep it alive. Obviously, once once they had to shut down there, it was over. But I think there's a market for it. I think there is right now. I think St. Louis probably is one of the best markets for it, given the departure of the Rams. There are a lot of people in this area who love football, but don't know how to feel about the NFL because they feel like they've been screwed over by Stan Kroenke. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And they were. Um, he, he told them that they would be able to keep – the Rams and St. Louis, if they did X, Y, Z, and then they did X, Y, Z and they left anyway. So there's a huge hunger for football in that battle Hawks market. So it was really cool to see them have such a crazy first game. And I think they're going to be one of the more uh, heavily supported teams in the league, just given where they're located. Um, but I do think that it was a resounding success. I love the re- replay uh, aspect you talked about. There's nothing more that I hate when I watch NFL games on Sunday, when there's a really close Call and it gets challenged or it gets looked at by the booth. And they bring in the rules expert and he goes, Well, it's really close. It's gonna be a tough one. We already know that, right? We know that as viewers, that it's really close, it's really tough. We want to know why it's gonna go one way or the other. We want the details behind it, and I love that the XFI is trying to. I think it's
0: that. even crazier when the rules expert is like, "No, nah, like this is getting overturned, and then it's not overturned. And it's not because agreed. Now we have an instance where we are seeing a live look into the replay room and why this is happening. And I think that's critical in showing your fans that, hey, we care about not just the viewing experience, but we want you to understand why the action is happening the way that it's happening. I agree. And I wish the NFL would embrace something like that. and. Maybe they will now. Maybe they will. Maybe you sometimes you just need a catalyst. You need something to push you. Right. And as I said last week with Mia, just the reality is here, Mark. Dwayne The Rock Johnson is leading this thing. He is. And that dude doesn't throw his name behind projects unless he fully believes that it's going to be a tremendous success.
1: That's true. He's uh, he has not really failed at a whole lot in no. the last two plus decades. You know, once no. he got once he got his footing as a top guy. In uh, the then WWF, ever since then, everything he's done has been a resounding success. So I think you're right about that. When you've got a guy like that backing things, um, not only the face, but the finances of it, you know, that helps. I think they're in great shape going forward.
0: I also think they need to show that they can be the fun league. I think sure. that's like a very important. They need to invite the fans in on the experience, and so far, so good on that front. There were a lot of very passionate fans out in these opening weeks. They need to clean up a little bit of their social media game and the team websites. I was looking at the roster pages, and most of them don't even have pictures <laughs> for the,
1: the rosters. You, you got to get on a little that hard page. to navigate. <laughs> you, you click schedule, and it brings you to like the yeah. whole schedule instead of the team yeah. schedule. And the
0: reality is, like the way you familiarize yourself with players is you form that connection to them. And if you can't even form that connection on a team website, uh, how are you going to invest in the season long storylines of these players? But they announced that the championship game will be played at the Alamo dome. That's a good Mm -hmm. get for them. You know, it's a big venue. Mm -hmm. And I I hope that the XFL finds success here. And what'd you make of some of the different rules? Like, you know, you can go for, three point conversions and stuff like that. And the kickoff is different. What appeals to you or doesn't appeal to you about that?
1: I just think the, the idea that they're pushing the envelope a little bit with that stuff across the board is what I like about it, because if it was just a different version of what we already know, it won't work because it's, it's, it's always going to be worse football. It's still good football. And these guys are really good football players. Some of the best football players in the world, they're just not in the NFL. Or maybe they were, but they're not anymore, a la A.J. McCarron. So I just think that the fact that they're stepping out of the norm and trying their best to do different things, like the three-point conversion, that's what I like about it the most, Mm -hmm. is just that they're giving it a shot. Because if they don't try it that way, it'll never work.
0: And let's not forget... The original XFL was an innovator of several concepts, uh, many of which did not work. But uh, the most successful one that came out of it was the Skycam, which is now a critical element of every single sporting event that we see on television. That is true. So uh, definitely something to keep our eyes on as the season unfolds. I hope the XFL finds success. Somebody that did find success. Somebody you're very familiar with, Andy Reid. (laughs) Mark's Big red. You had a chance to cover Andy Reid very closely on this Super Bowl run with Kansas City. Uh, As we know, they pick up the Super Bowl win against the Eagles. And he said this past week, he was asked how he celebrated the win, and he said the first thing he did was he went to Pizza 51 in Kansas City and had a (laughs) mushroom and sausage pizza. Uh, Andy Reid famously uh, known for his food takes. The team has kind of trolled him about that. Uh, first off i don 't know if you 've been to pizza fifty one maybe you can provide some insight if you have or if you 're familiar with it if to whether or not this is a quality pie and My question would be if you just won the Super Bowl, what are you ordering, Mark
1: I have not been to pizza fifty one but John, as somebody like yourself that's from New Jersey, mm-hmm. I feel very passionately about pizza and bagels in particular sure. mm-hmm. um and it is of my humble opinion that you could draw a circle around bottom of New Jersey, near Philadelphia, up into about halfway across Connecticut, and outside of that bubble, pizza is worse than inside <laughs> of that bubble. So <laughs> that that's my opinion on that, but I've not been to okay. Pizza Fifty One. Uh Andy Reid's normally a cheeseburger guy. Yes he is He's not normally a pizza guy. He's normally a cheeseburger guy. Um, but I'm sure the pizza was pretty good. I would not be eating pizza if I had just won the Super Bowl personally. You know, I'd be out really Are you really whining nice. and dining? Yeah, I'm, I mean, I'm talking about it. You know, maybe the best steakhouse we could find, some oysters as, a, uh, as an appetizer and a, a really good ribeye steak or a Delmonico steak or something. Um, but to each their own, you know, that, that's, that's Andy Reid. He's, he's pretty simple when it comes to stuff off the field. He likes to eat his cheeseburgers and his pizza, wear his Hawaiian shirts, and draw up crazy plays to win football games. That's kind of his M.O. Seems
0: like your kind of football coach there.
1: Hey, he is my kind of football coach, and with the way he wins, I think anybody would take him as their football coach.
0: Yeah, uh, man, I'm trying to think here. If I just won the Super Bowl, well, you know, I love my big expensive steaks. Got my (laughs) – got – For my 30th, some of my friends got me three A5 Wagyu's. I made my first one on Super Bowl Sunday. Um, I'm making my second one later this week. It's an A5 Wagyu ribeye, which would retail at a restaurant for about $300. And I'm ready to uh, be absolutely terrified
1: making it. Um, That's the the type of post-game meal
0: right that we're looking for so that's what i'm thinking i'm thinking i'm going like an a5 if i'm not doing that i'm just housing like as much asian cuisine as i can (laughs) i'm just like i'm all you can eat sushi sushi give me some good chinese with that like i'm all in on that you gotta eat big but i also understand you're out there on the sidelines like he's not in the game but he's still in the heat of the battle you're just You just want to pound something down after that, you know? Like, I get that. I understand that side of the equation.
1: Like, that's understandable, right? It is. It is, especially when you you remember the grind that these guys have gone through, right? I mean, the head coaches, like, they, they really do almost live at these facilities during the year. And when you make it as far as the Chiefs make it every year, you're talking about an extra month of that grind year after year that Andy Reid's been going through these last five years. Not to say that he would have it any other way, sure. but you're right. When he's done, he's probably just like, let me just get something quick, easy, go back home, well, relax. The
0: choice of a mushroom and sausage pizza. How, how do we feel about that?
1: It's different. It is different. I do love a good sausage pizza. Mm-hmm. So I, I was glad to see that he went with that. Something a little bit different than just your typical cheese or pepperoni. But the mushroom and the sausage together is a little bit uh, on the strange side. You could just go full supreme and add add everything else to it. Add the works. If add you the works to it. Um, Are
0: you in on mushrooms on pizza? That that's a somewhat polarizing one for some.
1: Yeah, people. I'm in. I'm in on mushrooms on pizza. I love mushrooms. So Thank you.
0: I do. I do.
1: I'm, I'm good with mushrooms. I like mushrooms in an omelet. I know you're a big egg guy. You yeah, love you're, your eggs. You egg guy. You yeah. egg guy. Oh yeah. So. Can't get enough of them. <laughs> Yeah, I'm in on mushrooms on pizza.
0: What about... Our, I mean, let's put it to the test here. Are, are you a Hawaiian pizza guy?
1: Um, I've had it. I don't hate it. But I would never go out of my way to get it. I you understand. can get better pizza. Like
0: if it's sitting in front of you, it's your option. You might eat it.
1: Is it the only option?
0: Well, I mean, if it's the only option. If it's between you and going hungry, you're probably eating it.
1: I'm eating it. Yeah.
0: yeah. Okay. Yeah. I got you on that. Well... Yeah. Uh, I, it's a very divisive topic, Mark. And the beauty is, we like hearing the voice of the fans. So please, KYNchat.com, leave us your super chat. Or if you are watching via YouTube, you can get involved as well. Leave that super chat for us. We'll read your comment on it. Let us know. Uh, is Hawaiian pizza a thing? Are, are we in? Are we in on pineapple on pizza?
1: What does Dre think? I want to know what Dre thinks. Yeah,
0: Jerry, if you're still watching, uh, I, I definitely want to know about that. I'll tell you, when I was in Florida, Florida pizza was
1: garbage that uh, the bubble again yeah, the bubble okay. that's outside the bubble it just it
0: just absolute garbage pizza that uh, no matter where you were in florida it, it just it, and and it's, it's. I think it's the water. I think it's. It's. there's just so many different things. Florida, man, it's an oddity. There's very few things going for it, but uh, this past weekend, it was certainly one of the epicenters of the sports world, was it not, Mark?
1: It was. The Daytona 500, of course, uh, would be considered the Super Bowl, if you will, of NASCAR, but it always comes in the very first week with Ricky Stenhouse Jr. winning his first Daytona 500. He actually won it under caution. It was uh, a bit of an interesting ending, but that's not really why people were angry, was because... Of an earlier chain of events, there was a crash, and the crash happened right as NASCAR and the Fox broadcast were going to commercial. So a lot of fans watching didn't get to see the wreck live because of the graphics coming up as the mo at the moment that it happened. What do you make of this, John? Do you think there's a solution to this?
0: Oh, so I'll say this. So this is literally, this is the last image they saw. I grabbed it right before... <laughs> it went to commercial so you see the number 12 car right there uh blaney being spun off in that very moment and then they wipe to a graphic in front of it see and and <laughs> and listen like it's it's a victim of circumstance at the end of the day right but think about this daytona 500 maybe the most famous race in the world probably it's it's that or the indy 500 it's one of the two so many casual fans Are tuning in because they want to see a wreck go down. That's true. And if you are a technical director who does not recognize that a massive wreck is about to go down, and you're going to be in commercial, by the way, for like 10 minutes during this wreck cleanup anyway. True. And you got that itchy trigger finger, and you're just like, oh, we're going, we're going. We're going. You got to be quicker on your feet, and you got to say, wait a minute, guys, wait, hold on.
1: Cut back. Cut back. This, this is a failure on the Fox Broadcast Department, Mark. It is. It is a failure. It's unfortunate timing, because if the wreck happens five seconds earlier, then they're probably safe, because they, right. they see it coming. If it happens five seconds later, they're probably safe, because nobody sees it start. They're already in commercial, you know, like it was horrible timing for them. Yes. But you're right. You have to be ready to cut back and to live action.
0: As someone who has covered the Daytona 500 several times, they 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 call it the big one. You're always waiting for the big one because you're guaranteed yeah. you will get the big one. It will happen at some point because in at, at some moment in a race, all of the cars will be gunning for it. Whether it's at the end of the stage, like this was close to the end of stage two, this particular Mm -hmm. wreck, or if it's at the end of the race itself, which is why, as you said, he won in caution, did Ricky Stenhouse, uh, because of these wrecks. You wait for the big one. So if you're missing the big one, that is a catastrophic failure from a broadcast perspective. uh, And from, I want to even make it a more macro conversation, Mark. From an association perspective, there were a few issues with what NASCAR had going on with the Daytona 500 this week because Stenhouse wins this thing in caution, Mark. 530 miles of racing these guys do, 12 additional laps. Yeah. And the casual fan doesn't understand how the race can end like that.
1: Mm -hmm. It's true. That's an issue. It is an issue. And I believe he ran out of fuel during his attempted burnout. So it, it tells you how close he was. To running out while actually on the track for the race, and uh, I watched the I watched the end of the race uh, here at, at home with a friend um, who's familiar with NASCAR the way I am, and even the two of us, as they were going through their green white checkered process for overtime, we were like, man this is taking this is taking a long time, so you wait an extra fifteen twenty minutes to get from what you think is the last lap to the actual last lap only to have it end with the guys doing the same speed you'd be doing out on the highway. That's, that's not good. And I don't know what the solution is because you can't just have them race forever because guys do run out of fuel and it totally changes the strategy. You have to have an endpoint somewhere so that the crew chiefs can say, okay, I I know I have X amount of laps I could potentially need to get this car around the track. Do I need to come in for fuel? Do I need tires?
0: I just think it just needs to be a matter of, nascar needs to explain these things better to the casual audience
1: could be and for for people who maybe haven't watched um or didn't watch until recently they used to race back to the line a caution would come out and it wasn't okay where you are is where you are in order it's no who can get back around to the start finish line first that's who was going to be in for first or potentially win of course this this causes all sorts of problems <laughs> for safety because yes. if the wreck happens to be in front of people, instead of slowing down to avoid it, they're thinking, well, I can make up three, four, five positions here if I gun it and I get through around the outside. So that that had to change. And then there might be another wreck coming off of that. Exactly. That had to change. But I do wonder if maybe there's some sort of balance there somewhere. And no. if not, like you said, at least make it known to people that if there's another caution here coming up, that's it. It's whoever's in first at the time.
0: Yeah. It's just – it's a pretty easy solution in my opinion. Uh, let's keep moving on here. We've got a few more minutes on Out of Bounds on Know Your News. Again, leave us that super chat. We want to see your comments. Mark, this is one I know that uh, you're a big hockey guy. And oh, yeah. I'm sure you got a lot of thoughts on this. Uh, NC State, man, I mean, Look what at a that. great venue and everything here for this stadium series. The Carolina Hurricanes host the Washington Capitals. Uh, this past weekend, Carolina wins 4-1. The stadium series, for those unfamiliar, uh, they are these series of outdoor games that the NHL plays. You might be familiar with the Winter Classic that they do every year on New Year's. But uh, they take these to unique venues. And North Carolina, not a market that you would typically think is a huge hockey market, but home of one of the best teams in the league right now, arguably the best team in the league. Uh, they packed it. 60,000 strong here, Mark. Uh, what do you think of the spectacle? What do you think of the stadium series? And what did this say about hockey in Carolina?
1: I'll start with the last part. I think uh, hockey in the Carolinas is, is as strong as it's ever been, in part because the team is so good. Uh, they probably should have gone further in the playoffs last year than they did. They could not stay out of the penalty box and, and allowed the Rangers to score about a zillion power play goals and in turn got themselves eliminated in that series. And they're just about as good as they were last year in terms of all the advanced metrics. Everything says that they're they're one of the best teams in the league. They're probably number two right now behind the Boston Bruins. So I think that's a, a huge part of it, but it, it does go to show that hockey has grown in places where it, it did not used to be so big. Um, you're very familiar with this being down in Florida the last few years and the Tampa Bay lightning being so good winning back-to-back Stanley cups, um, uh, almost winning three in a row. You know, th- that that's a, a market where hockey has gone through the roof that maybe it wouldn't have been that way years ago, even though they had won a Stanley mm-hmm. cup previously, just like the hurricanes have. So I think it shows that hockey has grown in places that it it previously was not very big. Um, I like the stadium series. I do think the concept is maybe has has maybe oversaturated a little Mm bit. Um, I love the idea of outdoor games. I remember the very first winter classic and the new, the different uniforms that the teams Mm -hmm. were wearing at the time. It It was in Buffalo, right? I believe it was in Buffalo. It was so cool. It was awesome. And even the next one was awesome. And then the first stadium series was really cool. But I think it does lose a little bit of its shine. Certainly if it's in your city, it doesn't as proven by that crowd. I mean, that crowd was into it the whole way. They packed the place, as you said, um, you know, baseball stadium type crowd, you know, smaller football stadium type crowd, but. Outside of that, outside of the the market where the game is being played, I don't think fans are as into it as they used to be because the novelty is worn off.
0: Yeah, I, that's actually the biggest problem I have with this. I thought it was awesome for the city. I thought it was awesome for hockey in that region. Mm-hmm. And it does give street cred to the franchise as well, that, hey, we're, we are worth investing promotionally in mm-hmm. by the NHL because these are fans that do care. But the stadium series – to me was a spin off of we saw we have something really cool here with the winter classic we can make a lot of money having these games tour the country do a few different outdoor games but it does lose that specialty when you have so many of them i mean they they've cut back i'm pretty sure on the amount of them that they were doing you might be able to They had count. a lot a few years it, ago yeah There was a few years ago where they'd have like 5 in a year and i'm like that is just way too many because Why do I care to watch then? At that point, you're just playing hockey in a bigger venue. It's nothing more than that. But when you do make it special and you have a couple a year or whatever, then it's something worth investing my viewing habits in. Uh, I I, I caution that sometimes uh, you can have too much of a good idea.
1: I agree. And I think the Winter Classic is probably what gets hurt the most by it. Very much so. Because as awesome as the Winter Classic was this year, played at Fenway park with uh, a Bruins team that right now is on pace to match the best season that any team has ever had in the regular season on par with, you know, three or four other teams. Um, As awesome as it was to see them in that venue, that historic venue, it loses so much juice because it's like, well, this doesn't just happen once a year. It's going to happen in a few months and then it'll happen a few months after that. So I I understand it. I get it. It's great to have the Carolinas be able to host something like this. And I know they dealt with some weather issues. It was like 70 degrees a few days before it rained, which is horrible for ice. So they did a nice job actually managing to keep the the ice playable, which is oftentimes a big, big issue in these games. But the Winter Classic gets hurt the most by having these outdoor games.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And it just shows you we are on the home stretch of the hockey season, and when we're on the home stretch of the hockey season, market means that we are on the beginning of one of our favorite seasons, and that is baseball season because spring training is underway, and this is a fun little way to wrap <laughs> up this edition of Out of Bounds. on know your news. Let's do it. This is great,
1: John. Did you know Aaron Judge is a Yankee? Have you heard? I did hear that. I've heard yeah. that a couple times. Yeah, well, he almost wasn't a Yankee. At least. That's what we think. Seemed like he was maybe going to go elsewhere. And uh, it seems like his teammate, Anthony Rizzo, may have played a big part in keeping him in pinstripes. The first baseman tapped out a series of texts that tugged at judge's heartstrings sending photos of Rizzo's dachshund Kevin playing with judge's dog Penny. <laughs> Rizzo said it's funny that this has become such a big story. He says it's true, he did send pictures to kind of guilt judge into this a little bit, but ultimately Rizzo says he was rooting for judge to make the decision that was going to make him and his wife Sam happy. How powerful, John, the question is, how powerful is the power of a puppy? Come on now!
0: I think this might have been the catalyst, Mark, because I have no faith that it was actually Hal Steinbrenner that got this deal done. I think it wasn't the money. It was. I think this was all Kevin the Dachshund on your left there that that helped cement this. I mean, look how happy these two pups are playing <laughs> in right field at Yankee <laughs> Stadium. Can you imagine robbing these dogs of that joy of no. being able to frolic in the beautifully groomed outfield? at Yankee Stadium, home of the same groundskeepers
1: that every sixth inning do the YMCA. There now, really is no better place for dogs to run, right?
0: No, how can you not be romantic about this, Mark Spillane? That is what I ask you at the end of the day, man. I love this story. I think it's great. I think, I, I, you know, is this the reason Aaron Judge signed? No, of course not.
1: But it's not. I, I
0: would not you don't know that. I well, I would not be surprised. It's a little bit like, hey, you know, we got a good thing going here. We got a good thing going here. I've got a pal in Anthony Rizzo. My puppy Penny has a pal
1: in Kevin, <laughs> which I love that. I love dogs with people names. I was just going to say, the best part about all this is that the dog's name is Kevin. Mm-hmm.
0: Love a good dog with a people name.
1: That is so funny. And a dachshund, no less.
0: Once upon a time, I had a dog with a person name, and it makes life a whole lot more fun. No no doubt about it. I think about it, you got a pup, Luna. Yeah. Like if 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 you knew that your quality of life could help improve Luna's quality of life,
1: you're making you, that you're making you, that decision are you not. It, it would it would really sway me. Yeah. It would sway me in that direction. That's for sure. You know, I mean, maybe the 300 plus million dollars had something to do with it. But I don't think so. I think it was more the, the dog friendship. And at the
0: end of the day, Mark. If it's not the money, that's going to sway you. If it's the money, that's not that powerful. If it's not the puppy, it's that powerful. I know, and you could attest to this, the word of the wife gets the end of the day, let's say.
1: See this right here, John? See this ring right here?
0: (laughs) Yeah. um, I know all too well. I'll show you mine. Uh, I got got a lot uh, in that department going on here. (laughs) But uh, yeah, you know it all too well, especially in your particular situation. So yes. Um, yeah. I, I'm, I'm about to, so I think it's a great story. I can't wait. Cannot wait for the major league baseball season to get underway. I don't know if we're going to have you back on here before the season gets underway, Mark. So you want to throw, uh, throw us a,
1: throw was a little MLB prediction for this year. Oof. So here's, pick? Well, okay. So here's how I kind of look at this, John is if the, if this Yankees group is ever going to win, if it's not this year, I don't know when it's going to be. They've bolstered the pitching staff even more than they had already previously bolstered it. I know they just potentially suffered some pretty big news in terms of Frankie Montas's shoulder and him potentially being out for the entire year. As far as I know, I don't think that's official yet. Right. But that could be big news, but they bolstered the pitching staff bringing in uh, Carlos or Don. So I, this is, this is something that I think will really help the team. And as a, pinstripe supporter you know that this team is very frustrating (laughs) so i'll say that this this is the year because if not this year i don't know when the next one will be i don't know
0: fair point you still think they're the team in town to beat over the mets
1: i think they probably are um i know the mets swapped out one hall of future hall of fame pitcher for another um and one that Uh, It doesn't matter that he's 40 years old. I mean, Justin Verlander looks like he's just as good as he's ever been. Uh, But I do think there is something to be said about those guys um, trying to be, those guys being Verlander and Max Scherzer, trying to be their elite selves deep into the playoffs. Scherzer usually hasn't been as good in the playoffs as he is in the regular season. And um, we did see that a little bit last year. And Verlander, as great as he was last year, if he had any poor stretches, they were down the stretch of the season when it looked like maybe there was a little bit of fatigue setting in. So I just think those two factors probably would be the difference in my mind because on paper, both teams are right there. But I think down the stretch, those two pitchers may fade just a tad, just a bit, and I think that could be the difference between the Yanks potentially just being a little bit better than the Mets down the stretch.
0: Well, reminder me, O'Brien and I are with you every single Monday night here on the Know Your News Network, talking about the weird, wacky, wild and sports and everything in between. You'll get our MLB picks as we get a little closer to the season. Mark, I'm so glad that you were able to hop on. I appreciate you filling in for me this week. Uh, Where can people find you? Anything else you'd like to plug there?
1: Yeah, you guys can find me on Twitter at Mark Spillane underscore. Actually, you can see it's underneath my lower third there below my face. So you can find me on Twitter there. You can also find me on Facebook at uh, Mark Spillane KY3. KY3 is my station out here in Springfield. So it'll be a lot of talk about, uh, you know, the Cardinals and the Blues and the Royals and the Chiefs and that sort of thing. But also mix in some other national commentary as well. So please do... uh, Please do give me a follow. And uh, if you want to see a lot of tweets about the New Jersey Devils and uh, me tweeting out GIFs and memes every time they win because this is the best team they've had in about 15 years, then uh, you'll you'll get that too on Twitter.
0: It's a fair point, my friend. I'm so glad, glad that you're able to hop on here. It's great catching up. It's great doing this with you. We'll have to do it again sometime. Thanks again. Uh, for lending a hand here filling in for me and thank you to everyone for tuning in to out of bounds this week right here on know your news we will see you next monday roses are red violets are blue i click the subscribe button you really should too if you like videos about real news stories that
1: are funny stupid or weird subscribe now